to the Zen House Podcast. I am your host, Enrico Moses. Along with me is my co-host, Sean Remock. This podcast was created for leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs to learn, grow, and connect deeper with your mission and purpose in life. We bring to you real-life ideas that you can bring into your daily routine. We interview some amazing leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs to learn from a diverse group of ideas and ways to tap into your zen. Whether this is how you start your day, take your commute, listen while you're at work, or consume at your leisure, we hope it adds more zen to your life and makes this world a better place. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Zen House Podcast. We are super excited. We have an amazing guest with us today, Damien, the founder of Presence. Welcome, my brother. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for doing this. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. So why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what you're working on in your background real quick? Um, Background, uh, originally from uh, Guyana, been in the U.S. for about coming on to 10 years. Uh, my background ultimately in, is in design, so I've studied design for the last 10 years, all forms of it, uh, from product as in industrial design to digital product design, branding, uh, future casting, uh, uh, foresight innovation. Um, so I've worked uh, across a wide array of design, uh, currently founding uh, Presence, which is um, a, ultimately our mission is to scale intentional experiences that bring meaningful interactions and engagement uh, which translates to human connection uh, to to people to everyone Um, and so how we do that is uh, we help the the creators of of these types of experiences uh, by making it uh, easier more efficient and more sustainable to do that um, by creating a software tool um, that helps them in the process of creating their experiences that sounds dope. And how long have you been working on that? I've been working on it for about three years now. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on how you look at it, a little bit longer. Everything is uh, my entire, uh, I think, uh, six, seven years in Silicon Valley has been leading me up to to creating this. It's kind of like a teeing up. <laughs> mm. Was there a moment where you had your like, aha, where you're like, man, this is this is what I'm going to be doing. This is This is what I'm here to do. No, not really. I think all of it is just, it's just like this gradual, gradual evolution um, in, of an inquiry, really. So always like starting with design and wanting to create better experiences in, in how we relate to things. And then that translated into um, digital because the internet was, you know, new. Um, so a lot of uh, designing digitally occurred because I wanted to create better experiences uh, in the internet landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think like going and immersing myself into, into that world uh, brought me out into the physical world of wanting to create uh, an engineer spaces for, for more meaningful experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, I know, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So it was like all of this kind of like uh, gradual you know, teeing up, as I say, or deepening uh, in, uh, in the inquiry of what I'm interested in. And the next, next thing you know, I'm here doing this. And But when I look back, I'm like, oh, man, every step was a step towards towards this, really. Mm. I didn't know at the time. Mm. 
That's awesome. I know Sean found you through this medium blog post that uh, he sent over to me and, you know, just talking about what you're working on and in the importance of that right now, Sean, you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, it was a really fascinating article and I think it really talked about how society is really disconnecting and it's starting to increase its disconnect. And I think the role of experiential design is is really powerful in creating and kind of supporting your mission you were talking about. And it, I, I believe you were mentioning scaling, um, almost like this idea of intimacy or being connected. And I'd love to hear like more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 about, I don't know, four, five years ago, uh, time is a little bit abstract to me these days. Um, but while I was here about three or four years ago in the Valley, I was working in tech, doing a lot of product design. And in parallel to that, uh, I was uh, fascinated and interested about creating communities. And I was wondering, like, well, what are the different ways of doing that? And um, there's, a, there's, a couple, there's different ways of doing it. One is, like, you can bring people together and then you can manage and operate and build a community. Uh, and... I, I did that and tried it and it's great, but I found out it wasn't for me. Um, and I wanted to explore other ways of doing it. And then I came across um, gatherings, events, uh, and you know, events has been around forever. Uh, and so like, as I started bringing people together, I started uh, thinking more intentionally about the atmosphere, the, the, the flow, the experience um, of that gathering. And what I learned is um, I learned uh, quite a few things and I learned the importance of, of intimacy. Um, so like if you can design a space that uh, cultivates for intimacy, then people can have more uh, meaningful or deeper conversation. And um, as, as I did that, I got, I got better at it over, over the years. But the challenge with intimacy is... Uh, it's intimate <laughs> um, and so you can only reach um, so many people with it right so if you're doing a really dope gathering and it's about 50 people then you know it's you're ultimately it's like it's exclusive right uh, and so I wanted to figure out a way to to scale that uh, and scale it in a way that retains the uh, the positive or the pros of an intimate gathering uh, and so what I, what I came up with uh, is the idea of scaling um, vertically as opposed to scaling horizontally. So most people, most situations, it's like when we have an event, um, oftentimes that event uh, usually starts out small, right? Um, and most of the times. And when it starts out small uh, and it's successful and it does well and people enjoy it, uh, the, the next natural inclination is we want to scale it, Right. And so what occurs when we do that is we start to lose the intimacy of the experience, which is the foundation and the core of what people liked about it because they got, uh, they got to meet people and they got to be present and they got to connect with each other. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want to connect. Um, simply put, like, we can go deep into that, but it's when people ask, like, what's the meaning of life and all that jazz and, like, uh, connect. It's really simple. Um, and um, in order to what, what scaling vertically really means is uh, 
the frequency of the experience or the gathering as opposed to like the, the scale of it being like more people, it's more the frequency of the actual event. And so that's how Presence was born is with that idea of um, supporting creators who are doing these like really dope uh, intimate gatherings, um, but need, need the tools to help them repeat it over and over and over in a way that is efficient and sustainable to, to them. Because anyone who does events or experiences know it's not the easiest thing in the, in the world. So mm. how can we make, if we can make that easier, then it reduces the barrier for creators getting into it. And if more and more artists and creators and producers and designers get into experiential design, then what occurs is that there will be a diversity of the type of experiences that is being created. If there's a diversity in the types of experiences that is being created, then what that means is that it will reach different people as opposed to one silo type of experience occurring and saying like, oh, that's, the, that's experience, but that is not the experience that's one form of a gathering mm-hmm. um, and that what's going to happen is like you have you know seven billion people on the planet or let's just scale it back in like we have 327 people uh million people in the u.s right uh not everyone is going to like that experience or that experience or the other experience so if we can democratize it and diversify it then we allow um reaching more and more people mm-hmm. or the core of what needs to be there is the intentionality of the experience, right? The purpose behind it. So for bringing people together, what's the intention, what's the purpose? And that in and of itself makes it more meaningful. Um, And if we do that, then we're ultimately talking about changing the landscape of how we how we gather as a society. Mm. So how, how do you see that relating to what's happening right now with the virus and the quarantine? Are there experiences happening right now that you see in that same light? Or is this all gearing up for after the quarantine? How, how do you see that playing out? Well, <laughs> the, the quarantine is like, this is, it's super interesting because, um, you know, I think what it does, it just like puts under a, a magnifying glass or a lens how much how important it is for us to to connect. We take we take the the, the daily uh, mundane walking by someone on the street for granted, and now we're kind of like we don't even have that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if anything, it, it's it's pointing out to us how important our social interactions are to the point where we will. Uh, actually start to use the internet in the, in the way that it actually was meant to be used or could be used, which is to bring us together. So now you have virtual experiences, you have Zoom being used for circles and conversations and performances and uh, yoga and all these kinds of things, right? You know, two months or three months ago, saying using Zoom for that, people would be like, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And today, here we are uh, doing it, which just goes to show that uh, when we talk about like, uh, the internet and all these different things that we've created, they're ultimately tools. So it just goes to show that it's up to us how we want to use the tool. So it's not that Zoom can't be used for this. It's more like, do you want to use it uh, for, for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think we're going to have some shifts in our culture depending on how long this carries out for. Um, if it ends in the next month or two and we, go, uh, we get to go back outside, I think things will go back um, normal. But I don't really see that occurring. I see it, it, will, it will 
go on for a while. And even if we get to go back outside um, as per usual, there will be a lot of changes like, oh, we have to wear a mask or um, we can't do gatherings over 100, 150 or so, right? So now that's going to, that, if that occurs for like, you know, a year, there's going to be a shift culturally into um, understanding, wanting, appreciating intimate gatherings. Um, and so that actually, uh, for presence, you know, that's where we want to raise our hands and say, hey, we'll, we'll help, we'll help, we'll create the tools for the intimate, the, the repeating, recurring uh, types of experiences by giving you these, uh, these tools that can, um, that can help you um, operate what you're doing and design better uh, what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, through experience, experiential design and manipulating space and time, how can, how can you optimize space and time through, you know, therefore focusing and enhancing diversity and, and connection and intimacy? What are specific examples of being able to manipulate space and time? I'm curious to know what that looks like. Um, okay. Well, a, a very, I'll give one that everyone's um, familiar with because when we when we talk about experience, I think I think sometimes it can get into this whole thing of like it's something new or um, I don't know what it is. But most people actually know what it is. Everyone knows what it is actually. Um, and and so like if you think about um, if you think about the idea of bringing people into a room um, and the room has like you know um, this sort of like a soft melodic music playing whatever that might be for that creator you have like candles lit um that's pretty much like in engineering that's just a simple form of engineering the physical space of it right um so that's that's the first manipulation of of space um right there uh then you have people come into the room with a certain mindset or intention to to like you know be quiet be still be present um, now what's occurring is like, again, you're, you're still manipulating, um, space. Uh, now when it goes from, when that experience starts and it goes from like someone coming and starting to lead in a meditation, um, that then transitions into movement, uh, what's occurring now is you're, we're manipulating time. So if I'm in the room and, uh, my consciousness is really like unfolding in space and time. And so now what you're doing is putting me in a room that's engineered in a certain way that has certain sounds. And then you're allowed, you're, you're, you're guiding me in how to move through that space over a period of time. And so that, that fundamentally is like what, you know, I, I see experiential design is we're manipulating uh, space and time. Now that's a simple example. Experiential design is, is sort of like a deepening of that, right? Getting a little bit more complex in how that space and time will unfold. And in most cases, we might be putting our, um, we might have a certain outcome or objective. Uh, so it's just like when we're designing anything, if we design a website, we have an outcome or an objective that we, we have in mind. Uh, if we the, the, with the iPhone design, there is an outcome or objective. It's, so with, with manipulating space and time, if you add the idea of a certain outcome, like for example, wanting someone to be, wanting the group of people to experience or practice presence, right? Um, that's an outcome. And so the space and the time in the space is manipulated for that outcome. 
Uh, and so with that sort of like formula or framework, you can get pretty creative with it. You can do a lot of things with it, right? You can say, I want to I wanna create a space and, um, and bring people into it over time that will optimize for creativity, right? Or would optimize for vulnerability or compassion. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like what the world of experiential design in my mind uh, fundamentally is. Yeah. And what are the technologies and platforms right now that are on the front lines leading this edge that, you know, that works for, for experiential design and also curious to know who, who are these people? Um, well, that's a, that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll have to like break that apart a little bit. Uh, in, in, I think most of the people that are doing it are artists and they're more like small subsets of group who are really, really doing some cool, um, innovative um, things like, you know, just talk to Odyssey Works, for example, and they're doing some like amazing, amazing things. Uh, and so we have like the smaller groups of individuals uh, and then we have like the, the larger ones that people are more familiar with. So like Odyssey Works would be like, uh, a great example. I think the guys at Sleep No More is, uh, are really, really innovative in their storytelling and um, and how they're they're designing. Like very meticulous. Um, and you know, I think uh, the the one of the organizations that's kind of like like set experiences into motion or given it a platform really is uh, is Burning Man as another example. I think um, recently we can see uh, Disney starting to like venture into into this with uh, with the Star Wars theme park that they that they did. So it's no longer just like this uh, you know theme park with characters, but there's more like a story unfolding. So this is the this is the interesting part about experience. This is the other dimension of it, right? Is uh, storytelling. That's the so we're talking about. Um, bringing stories into physical spaces and then moving people through the story as opposed to watching it on a, on a screen, right? Um, and I think like that's where it's getting interesting and that's where the innovation is starting to occur. Like we have uh, Mia Wolf in, in Santa Fe has uh, touched on, on this by creating stories, creating uh, a space and then having people move through uh, that, that space. Um, so I think like those are some of the people that I see um, you know, Secret Cinema in London is, is really, really epic uh, collective. These guys take movies and they create uh, physical experiences uh, of those movies. So fundamentally what they're doing is taking stories and throwing them into the physical and having people move through those stories, right? Um, and so uh, they recently partnered with Disney to take some of their titles um, to, to do some of that work. So I think like on, on the front lines, I think like these are some of the, 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 the people who are really innovating and, and pushing forward. And I think if you want to know like the people who are really innovating, um, don't get distracted by the spaces that are churning up a bunch of immersive tech and projections and all that stuff. I'll, I'll probably raise my hands for the first time publicly and say like all of that is like those are tools. That's what they are, they're tools. So if you have people going into a space and they're staring at walls and lights and visuals, that's the beginning of what the experience is, right? That's nowhere close to like 
doing what um, I can't remember the name of the company, but uh, if you're familiar with Westworld, there's a there's a group that actually took and created Westworld in Austin. I'm terrible with names, so I'm blanking on them, but uh, that that's ultimately like the the front lines of uh, experiential design. Anyone who's like using story as their core for moving people through that story in a physical space, that's the front line of experiential design. Anything else with all these cool tech that's being thrown up, that's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it, 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 to me, it's like um, moth to flames, you know? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Humans love lights and pretty stuff, so when we see it, we get attracted. But that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg for experiences, I think. It's like the drums and the music <laughs> it just like catches your attention easily, yeah. but there's, there's so much more, so much more depth to it. Yeah, there can, um, and, and those things, by the way, to say is like, they're, they're using or touching on one aspect of experiences or the, the, the um, what I, what I would say is like an important principle of experiential design, which is awe. They're touching on awe, right? But the problem of when they touch on awe is um or not the problem really the i would say like a missed opportunity is when you touch an awe what do you do next with it because now that individual is in a state of awe which is a which is a a, a human emotion a state in and of itself that is capable for transformation so when people are in awe they're open right because that's what awe does it it opens you to the to it it, it, it basically makes you like have to rewire your perception of reality, right? Like what is going on? And so when people are in a state of awe, they are in a state of wanting to connect because awe makes people feel small, not in a bad or negative way, but in the way that they actually want to connect with the, the grand, the greater of what is, right? And so when people are open, that means they're open to receiving so what are you giving them next when they're in a state of awe? And if you don't give them something, then ultimately it's a missed opportunity on how they can leave that experience being better beings. Well said. Mm, I love that. So what, what would you say to someone who wants to create experiences right now in the quarantine? Like what are some tips, some action, actionable tips that you can give some people? Um, first, know your intention, your purpose. What are you trying to create for and who you're trying to create for? That's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, we're, we're digital right now. So finding the, the platform or the tool of choice is going to be um, important, whether you want to use Zoom or Twitch or Crowdcast. Uh, we're currently doing a virtual uh, concert and we're using Crowdcast, which has some pretty cool um, and interesting technology. Uh, because it can like move from one experience to another and to another in one stream. So that's really interesting. That, and that's a test uh, prototype that we're testing out. Uh, so I would say like know your platform, not just choose it, but also know it really well, know, know the functionalities, the tools that it can do. And then um, really, I, if, if, if I were to like really spend, you know, a significant, significant amount of time thinking about creating a virtual experience, I would basically be dissecting the tool that uh, I'm using for that experience to see what is possible. Like, what can I do? Oh, you know, like Zoom has breakout sessions, for example. So how can I use breakout sessions in a group of like 100, create intimacy, bring them back together, right? Um, and I've seen some of my friends um, uh, do, do some really cool online circles and gatherings like that. 
so I think like that's fundamentally the the most important things like purpose, select your tool, know your tool. Um, and you know, if you can put story in there, like frame, frame how people show up to the experience. I think, uh, this is, this is actually one of the biggest difference between an experience and an event, I think, is that, um, experiences do a better job at framing how you show up for it. You know, if you, if you can do that, then, uh, what that does that improves the chances of the, uh, the intention or the outcome that you're looking for becoming a reality because people's minds are framed towards it or primed whatever word you want to use it's primed towards it uh and you know at the end of the day you can create an experience all you want and look at the details and all the different aspects of it but at the end of the day when people walk into it, it they're the ones who are making the experience right it's their experience so the best we can do for that is uh, frame their mind and frame like how they show up for it to ensure that th there's some sort of uh, you know um, convergence of what they're going to do and what you want them to do <laughs> you know like so if, if you can if you can do that then at that convergence that intersection is when is that's the uh, that's the experience that's the the, the the peak experience of like people are like oh this is super dope and you're like yeah that's what i that was that's what i'm going for right that was the plan <laughs> but you know sometimes if someone comes in and they're not like if presence is required or if vulnerability is required but people are not wanting to be vulnerable or they're uncomfortable by vulnerability then that's not necessarily going to be a great experience for them um although i would say um experiences doesn't have to always be good it doesn't it doesn't have to always be this like beautiful positive uh type of thing uh it could be triggering it could be uncomfortable and what that signals is that uh, it at least signals that people are on their edge and mm. being on the edge is where growth occurs and at the end of the day that's the whole point of an experience or designing an experience is getting people to their edge all we're doing and all we're trying to say, um, I think as experiential designers, is how do we make that fun and cool and interesting? <laughs> I, I love that. Um, see, I want to tap more into what you're saying about like you've seen some like experiences online that you really have loved. Can you talk more about like some experiences that you've been a part of that you're just like, yeah, that they did that. Like they really set the bar on that one. Well, I've been, uh, the, I guess the ones that I've been in and I've seen and observed that I like uh, are more like these <clears throat> sort of like circles, almost like, uh, like coaching, personal development type of circles. And I've just been like super uh, intrigued by how they were using Zoom, actually, you know, um, I don't like, personally, I don't really like digital, which is why I, I kind of like moved away from creating, designing digital experiences and into the physical. Uh, so I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I was really uh, intrigued, excited by the fact of like, you know, we are in this group called um, Weavers uh, Guild, and it's, uh, it, I'm, not sure how much I can talk about this, but I just want to touch a little bit about what they're doing because it's really a community for community builders. 
And so we get together and Zoom is used in this like really interesting way where we're sharing and we can see everyone's faces. So uh, I think when I said earlier, knowing your tool, the fact that they can like pull out one of Zoom's features and be like, okay, we're going to have all the faces on the screen and people can talk. And then we'll just like break out into like these different sessions, right? Um, and then we will have conversations, which in, in, in pods of like three or four people, right? And then that's occurring and then um, pull back uh, together into one group. I was actually pretty uh, impressed by Zoom, the fact that they, they have that functionality because I was like, whoa, this is, this is cool. And this is really, uh, it's really interesting how, how my friends are, how like the, the, um, the stewards uh, of this uh, community, how they're using it to facilitate conversation with people who otherwise wouldn't be in the same location, right? And in doing so, it, it's, it's work to cultivate a really tight-knit uh, community by doing it consistently. Um, I think the trick of that is it to, to know is that it's also complemented by physical experiences. So you have like phys two, two physical experiences um, in a year, right? And then in between those, there is the, the, uh, these really well thought out uh, in sort of like experiences digitally using something like Zoom. And I think how they've like brought that and streamed that together over the last two, three years uh, has been, um, and that's the other part to the commitment, right? To be, to, to like be doing it for so long over time, I think is, is really powerful. Um, and so like, that's one of my favorite, ex favorite experiences. Um, even though like I've missed a, a lot of those zoom calls, but it's, it's one of my favorites just because of the intentionality behind it. Um, now I think, um, outside of that, I, I haven't, I think I'm a harsh critic to digital these days. So I haven't really uh, come across anything that is um, well, well thought out. And right now what I'm seeing is uh, there's like a lot of different virtual uh, experiences. And so as we were doing this contest for Together in Sound, um, I'll, I'm bringing it back to, to like what I'm doing simply because uh, I just want to like highlight the way that I, I would like to approach it. I don't think I can doing it or getting it right but the the idea was be like okay cool it's it's a, it's a digital it's a virtual concert great um what do we do to make this feel feel like the real thing or as close to it as possible can we get like uh phillips to come in and and and, and donate some philip use right and send it to all the artists and then have them like throw up like lights in their background and make like a scene right where it feels like they're on stage and you're like they're looking at them right uh, so like things and things like that is um, is you know how I how I think about it, um, and as I see a lot of the, a lot of the streams, um, I'm I'm surprised to to see that uh, not a lot of people are like taking taking that approach of like not because it's in I think yes in your living room it's one experience but it's also kind of like trippy to be like uh, you're expecting it to be in my living room but I'm gonna make my living room feel like a real stage and that's gonna pull people in more right it'll like it'll gauge them more I, I feel like so so yeah I think um I think it's it's super early because like right now we have lots and lots of minds towards this uh, I think the other example that I would throw out there is uh, remote uh, remote burn 
uh, who is going to be doing something similar. And uh, they talked about, there's this other one called Hiveburn, which uh, pretty much had similar situation where you go to the site and they have like different stages that you can go into. And if you go into one stage, there's like a, a, a type of experience happening there, like uh, DJs showing down, or you go into another one and there's a workshop going down, right? And so you have like these different stages that you can go in and all of it is occurring at the same time. Uh, and I think that is what's pushing uh, the whole live streaming thing forward a little bit when you have uh, a kind of festival-like functionality of different things going on. And, you know, a thousand, two thousand people there at the same time going in, weaving into these different things. That feels different. That feels more experiential, I think. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, knowing that it's uncertain, you know, how long we're going to be kind of in this quarantine and we're going to be digi digital and, and virtual. What comes up for you in regards like to, okay, well, this is uh, where, where I'm at right now and this is what I'm going to focus on. And just curious to know, like, going back to the technologies and the support systems that can be used to, to kind of continue growing this business and also the idea of like escapism, right? It's like, how, do, how does this become a platform and opportunity for growth, you know, for consciousness as, as you're mentioning and, and maybe perhaps being an alternative to watching movies and, and Netflix and TVs and, you know, trying to feel distracted opposed to creating an opportunity where we can connect globally, locally and et cetera, et cetera, where we can use this for good during times like today. And I know we kind of spoke about this, but kind of coming in full circle, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like um, with regards to, to like, you know, what will occur right now is that there's a lot of artists out there. there and these artists are um, obviously impacted by, by what's going on because there's no more like, you know, physical gathering, which is what artists musicians uh performers do um and what what's gonna occur i feel like is there's a lot of like creative minds towards doing things differently so like yesterday for example i was part of a um a zoom dance class uh and the the, the teacher never really did that before uh but it actually turned out that they made more money doing the virtual dance class on Zoom uh, than they actually had in the past in physical. So I think there's going to be, there's definitely going to be like an, an, a sort of like a, an awareness now with, with creators towards how they can use these technologies in their arts. And when we think about technology, I think the people who tend to push technology um, in the direction and in the way that we can use it are usually, are usually artists, usually creators. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a really good thing to have these technologies now exposed to these artistic and creative minds to say, hey, how can I use this with my art, right? And so I think we'll, we'll see a lot more things coming out um, of the, the woodworks, uh, out of the workshop. Um, because because more more creative minds are towards using it as a as a means of uh, a necessity out of necessity you know um, and so 
I think we're starting to see that. We're starting to see shifts in how Zoom is being used. It's no longer just like a workplace, you know, kind of thing. I think even Zoom is probably realizing that and going like, whoa, there's some, there's some whole other ways that, you know, we can be used creatively. And that's going to now create a feedback loop that is going to allow them to start creating the functionalities that will then support what the creators and the artists are wanting to do, right? And so that feedback loop between the artists and the technologists occurring is what we need more of um, at scale. And I think like that's what's, what's starting to occur right now. Um, and so that's, like, that's a positive outcome of this like otherwise kind of like dark, uh, uh, difficult period that our species uh, are in. Mm, yeah, we're in an interesting time right now, indeed. So we have this thing called the Zen Round, where essentially we ask you a series of questions, and you just answer whatever's at the top of your head, and then we'll go on to the next one. How's that sound to you? Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. We won't, we won't go too deep, too deep. So the first question is, uh, what does Zen mean to you? Flow. Mm. How do you how do you find balance right now in these times? By embracing the chaos, being still in it, accepting, not fighting, not pushing, just letting it all unfold and move through me. Hmm. What's one way you feel loved? Being in community. Mm. What's your favorite food? Damn. Dal. <laughs> Indian dish, for those who don't know. <laughs> I love dal. Who's your favorite thought leader right now? Favorite thought leader? I'm terrible at names, so that's going to be a tough one to, to answer. Or even just a thought leader that you're, you like listening to on a podcast or, or anybody or, or author. I'm going to say Daniel, Daniel Smockenberg. My, uh, my friend uh, said, uh, likes, likes him, and I've discovered him through, through, through Seth. And I would say he's a really great person to listen to because he's a systems uh, design, systems theorist, systems designer. And uh, a lot of like what we're going through right now, he might uh, might be able to eliminate um, a lot of um, the reasons for for it and like you know how it's unfolding and why and potentially like what's next. And I think a lot of people are looking for that. So that's another, yeah. that's one person. And then the other is my um, is yeah my my all time favorite is uh, Jason Silva. If you want like a dose of inspiration. So go listen to that dude <laughs> i love it what does the world need more of right now art 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 more art more art more art more artists just unleash them you know freedom just give them give them more space let them do their thing we need more art mm. who's a musician people should listen to more um i've been jamming musician can i give can I do this instead? Can I say um, I have a I have a um, a playlist on Spotify, and it's a, it's really my personal playlist, uh, but I feel uh, that I should be sharing it more. It's called uh, Audio Slash Vibes, and um, 
it, it's, it's a curation of uh, some of the, the coolest. They're not necessarily like well-known mainstream artists, but pretty much, you know, sit down, chill, light something up and, uh, and, and just kick back and, and just listen and be with yourself. Uh, and that might, that might be a pretty good experience uh, for you, at least for me, it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so we'll add that playlist in the description. What's what's one thing you're doing that you should stop doing? Uh, waking up and just zooming straight into my computer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> what is one thing you should be doing more of? Uh, more meditation, uh, definitely lots more meditation for me. Some more yoga would be great. Uh, mind and body. What's a blessing for somebody outside of this podcast right now? What's a blessing for somebody outside of this podcast? Yeah, anybody in the world, just a blessing, a shout out you want to send to somebody. Um, okay, I want to send... Uh, I want to send a shout out and, you know, good vibes and good, like, blessing and energy towards, like, a lot of the people on the front lines uh, right now, whether it's the people who are holding down the grocery stores so we can go get our food, um, whether it's the people who are holding down on the, the medical side of things, um, trying to keep this thing uh, under control and at bay uh, for the rest of us, um, and whilst putting themselves in, in harm's way. Um, to, to all of the, the, the leaders and the community builders out there that are stepping up and shifting into, you know, what it is they feel is necessary for continuing to cultivate more community and support the arts um, and support uh, people who are in need of whether it be masks or just like funds because they're out of work. Uh, lots of respect to, to those people who are just like really, um, you know, I got, I got to say like a beacon of hope for humanity. Mm. And what's a blessing for yourself? Uh, blessing for myself is, uh, well, just be more in present, you know, just be more present and um, listening to the people around me. Uh, so that um, I can I can play this role of stewarding stewarding you know whether it's a piece of technology or organization or art whatever we want to call it into the world to do um, to bring people more into connection I am blessed to be um, and and privileged to be in the position to to be able to thinking to think about these things. And to work on mm. these things uh, and uh, it is the best thing that I find myself like I can be doing with my time and for that I am really really grateful and in gratitude to all that is and all that was that has led to me being in this position mm. I love that and what's one piece of advice you can give to our all of our listeners Philosophy. regarding even regarding the time we're in right now or whatever philosophy of do <laughs> that's the advice i would give I, I i feel like there's a lot of people out there that want to do things and create things and uh doing our starting is can be challenging and um the philosophy of do is really to find 
uh, put one step, one, one foot in front of the other. So figuring out what that one step is and just do it. Don't worry about the next step uh, and how you might fail or fumble or whatever in that step or what you don't have for it. Just the one step in front of you, just do that. That's the philosophy you do. And then mm-hmm. doing that and that and uh, you find yourself moving forward over time. You need a sponsorship by Nike. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one for them. <laughs> Put that out there. And how, how can uh, people get a hold of you? Uh, I'm, I'm open up. Uh, I'm open on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all the same handle of uh, the Madre. So you can, you can find me that. Uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram are good. Facebook, you can also like find me there. Um, yeah, those are the three places. Amazing. Damien, thank you so much for taking the time out with us and yeah, doing this podcast with the Zen House. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm super stoked and glad that you're doing it. Um, happy to send other in- interesting individuals your way uh, to have these conversations. It's great. Thank you for, for creating the experience and holding the space for me to just like, you know, share. Most definitely. Yeah, thanks. Me too. <laughs> yes, make sure y'all tune into the launch and and work with this brother right here. He's doing amazing work up in the in the Silicon Valley, and this app is going to be something. It sounds like revolutionary. Like I personally, I, I feel like I don't want to speak for everyone, but I love experiences. So if I personally can go experience more dope experiences, like I, I just want to see this be super successful. So yeah. So thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're working on. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Have a good day. Peace and love. Peace. Have a great day. Enjoy. Bye, Damien. Thank you.